From one islander to another, Isle of Wight Radio proudly presents John Hannam Meets. Hi and welcome to another John Hannah Meets. Today I'm going to celebrate the life of the wonderful June Whitfield. I was privileged in the year 2000 to go to June's house in Wimbledon to do a long interview with her. So we're now going back to that particular interview. John Hannah Meets from the archive. June, welcome to John Hannah Meets. Well, thank you very much, John. Kind of you to come all this way. I came up to the news headlines a few months ago and I actually caught sight of you uh, just after the show. I'd come up to interview Roy, really. Right. And I said to Roy, what's the chances of interviewing June? He said, leave it to me. And I'm here. <laughs> Good. Well, it's taken a bit of time, but it's, it's been quite a busy end of year. Streatham High School, what were your sort of ambitions when you were there? Streatham Hill High School? Yeah. Probably to leave as soon as possible. <laughs> I don't know. Um, no, I'm not sure that I had great ambitions. I was already attending lots of dancing classes and uh, um, competitions and things like that because my mother always wanted to be an actress and her father wouldn't let her. So I was encouraged to... Uh, you know, take part in all kinds of ex-curriculum activities uh, from a very early age. Who were your idols? Who did you sort of look up to in showbiz? Did you have any? Oh, then? Yeah. Oh, it was Judy Garland and uh, Rosalind Russell and Betty Davis and, you know, it was all those people. Catherine Hepburn. Lovely. So when you went to RADA, did you really want to follow in their sort of wake in a way and, and go into the business? I just always thought from a very early age that the theatre would be my career. You know, I didn't think of anything else. Because it was very easy then, you know, just <laughs> sort of do, during the war, that kind of thing. That um, I don't envy anybody who, um, who tries to go into it now because uh, you would have thought with the advent of television that there would be far more jobs for everybody, but it just doesn't seem to have worked out that way. Today, when we trace the longevity of your career, it's, uh, you know, we're going to find out just how long you've been in the business. Because Love from Judy was an early thing for you, wasn't it, really? Well, I left RADA in 1944. And uh, Love from Judy was about, ooh, 51, maybe, 50, 51. Was that a, a good stepping stone for you, really? In a way, it was. Yes, I was in Love from Judy when... I was asked to join uh, Take It From Here. Right. So uh, that, it was then. 53, I think it must was have been. Was it? You actually toured with Wilford Pickles, I think, didn't oh, you? Oh, I did indeed. <laughs> I did um, I did about a 10-month tour did you? with Wilfred when he was at the height of his have-a-go He was popularity. a megastar, really, wasn't he? He was a megastar. He really was, yeah. Um, I always say, you know, if the boxes weren't full on a Monday night, we thought it was a bad week. <laughs> was it give her the money, Mabel, or something you used to say? Or give her the, some, yes, uh, no, other. give her the money, Barney. Barney, that's Wasn't it, it? Yeah. yes. Yeah. Was Mabel his Mabel wife? Mabel on the table, yes, Ma it, Mabel yeah. was his wife. <laughs> long time right. ago. And uh, we did a, a play called The Cure for Love. And after that, I did two pantomimes with him. Because he was more than just a radio personality, really, because he was a bit of an actor. He was quite a good actor, yeah. uh, uh, Wilfred. And, of course, I think he was the first 
BBC announcer to have anything other than um, a strictly BBC accent. Because he used to say good neat <laughs> to the listeners, you know, good neat. Probably about 20 million, something crazy, used to listen to his radio show, didn't they? Well, take it from here, of course, at its peak, had 22 million listeners. <laughs> so <what> was... <laughs> it's, it's, this is BT, isn't it? Before television. That's right. <laughs> so what was it like for you going on to a, a show like that with Jimmy Edwards, wasn't it? Oh, with t- take, take, take it from here? Yeah. Well, the silly thing is that I'd been in the theatre so much that I'd hardly ever listened to the radio. I mean, I had a radio and I'd I'd heard odd things, but I didn't realise just how popular um, that particular show was. And uh, when I was asked uh, to do it, I don't know whether I was offered £5 a week or something, and I said, you know, that's ridiculous, I've been getting more than that in the... Chorus, <laughs> and not realising, of course, the repeats and all the rest of it that went with it. And I think I actually got another couple of pounds out of the BBC. Which was <laughs> Did you? Whenever one talks... <laughs> through of, sheer ignorance. Yeah. yeah. Whenever people talk of June Whitford, they still, with great affection, of course, talk about the glums, which came from that series, Ron didn't they? Ron and F, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wonderful. The writing of Frank Muir and Dennis Norton for me, is pretty unbeatable. I loved it. It, it was punny and, and silly and a great observation because, after all, in those days you couldn't swear or, you know, there were taboo subjects of sex, religion and, uh, and certainly um, swearing. So you, I think they did extremely well. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about the news headlines later, but they could never have got away with anything in those oh, days. Oh, heavens, no. That wouldn't have been in. <laughs> So here we are now in, in 2000. Did you think when you made those first in 1953, really, did you, did you think they, the sort of memory of the glums would live on, well, over 50 years, isn't it? I never think further than tomorrow, really. <laughs> so, <laughs> Christmas is coming, isn't it, I think? <laughs> you were actually chasing Ron, weren't you? Trying to marry him, weren't you? For... Oh, yes. I mean, the, the summing up F was, was, if I can still get up there... Um, was sort of uh, oh Ron when are we going to get married it's not right for two hot blooded people such as us to be kept waiting for so long oh beloved you'll never know how much I yearn I do F and it's not enough for both of us to live on (laughs) (laughs) that was a typical Ron and F (laughs) Millions of people sort of impersonated you two in a way in their own front rooms, didn't they? And in conversation, oh, I it was think that so. Sort of yes, I, I still meet the odd um, Ron and F. <laughs> and of course, people never knew. I mean, somebody would come up to me and say, Oh, I love that character. I know someone who talks just like that. <laughs> <laughs> you never know how you sound yourself, do you? Currently, I'm at Wimbledon. Is it far from Wimbledon Common, June, or not? Oh, very near the Common. Very near, is no, it? No, the, the Common is at sort of one end of the road. Oh, yeah. right. I'm with the lovely June Whitfield, looking back on her marvellous career. So, uh, take it from here, has just gone on and on. Oh, yes. It, it, um, I did about seven years. Uh, Joy Nichols, I think, had done about five years. And uh, then Alma Cogan and I replaced uh, Joy. What was Alma like? Because she was... Oh, delightful, um, a larger-than-life character, I think. And, of course, she was 
at the beginning of her really um what can i say her her stardom i suppose mm. and uh, i can remember Alma was always sitting there signing endless photographs and things you was know, she? for her fans yes because she was doing variety at that time and uh, going round in her wonderful big frocks sort of smile in her voice they said didn't yes, they yes yes a giggle in her voice That's yes it. well she was very uh distinguishable i mean if you you hear a record even now you can you know those of us who uh anybody who was an alma cogan fan will immediately recognize her it's amazing how her name has lived on really sadly she died yes. so young oh that's very sad yeah and when i came up earlier this year or last year i think it was now to uh to see the the news headlines being recorded yes. um there was even mention in that script of alma cogan was there really and, yeah. uh, so it just shows you doesn't it how yes. much people oh uh, yes yeah tv wise you did a thing called fast and loose with bob monkhouse that was fairly early on in your career wasn't it yes it was it was uh and the very, very first thing I did on television, Bob always says it was working with him, but actually it was a show called The Passing Show. Was it? Mm, which was directed by Michael Mills, and it was live, and it was sketches and songs and various actors rushing about and changing behind the scenery, you know, because you had to, um, you had to be there on time. And... Uh, I remember, what did I do? Oh, things like, um, I wouldn't leave my little wooden hut for you. <laughs> Bob Monkhouse, obviously, he, even in those days, he was so quick, wasn't he? So. Oh, an amazing, amazing mind he has and brain. Mm. And I think he must have a fairly photographic memory. He must have. Yeah, and also a filing cabinet in there somewhere, I think, in his head. <laughs> June, I want to talk about another famous star you worked with, the one and only Peter Sellers, of course. So I know you worked with on an oddly named series called Idiot Weekly, Price Tuppence, wasn't yes, it? Yes, and a, a show called Fred, was he? I think yes, he was in that too. That's right. Yes, that was early days. That was all, sorry, live, of course. That was sort of goon-type humour, June, in a way, wasn't it? Oh, it, it was, yes, very goon. It was... I remember there was a sketch when we were all in the jungle and Michael Benteen um, fired a blank, sort of absolutely, you know, dead behind me. And he said, don't worry, don't worry, you know, it's a blank and nothing will happen, nothing will happen. And I, I, I was supposed to fall down and, you know, <laughs> being accidentally killed. And I must admit... I, I felt the blast, and I really thought he had killed me for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Sellers was the editor, I think, of a, a sort of a newspaper or something, wasn't he, in that? Do you remember that? You know, I don't remember. <laughs> I'm sure you're right. <laughs> well, I, it must have been the Idiot Weekly Price Tuppence. That's it. Yeah. Spike Milligan, Eric Sykes, um, Valentine Dial was in that. Yes. That's a good old voice from the past. Yes, well, perhaps he was the vo a voice. And Kenneth it. Connor, I think, did that as yes, well. Yes, yeah. So you really got into comedy straight away, didn't you? Oh, more or less, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And yeah. you were happy the way your career was sort of going then, because you, you, you sort of left... Well, I mean, when I was at RADA, I played the second grave digger in Hamlet, you know, because there was a great <laughs> shortage of men. <laughs> and, and it was always character parts, and uh, I was quite happy doing it, yeah. 
Back in the 30s on the Isle of Wight, between about 1930 and I think it was about 1938, there was a young comedian came to do eight consecutive summer seasons at Shanklin. Golly. Unknown at the time, a guy called Arthur Askey. Good heavens. went on Did to, to really? great fame. And in 1961, you were in a sort of a sitcom with him, weren't yes, you? Uh, yes, I did several um, uh, televisions with Arthur. What was he Again. like to work with? Oh, a delight, a delight. And, of course, he annoyed the powers that be tremendously because in the middle of a television show, he'd just sort of look straight into the camera and uh, more or less say, what do you think of it so far? You know, it's usual old rubbish, isn't it? Or don't worry, playmates, we'll be back in a minute. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and they, they weren't very keen on that. Was he just as mad off stage? Was he sort of lively off stage, really? Oh, yes, I think he was quite, um, he was quite lively. And um, I can remember doing various sketches. I think in rehearsal... What well, we were man and wife, and he was a great pianist, and I was his wife. Right. And at one point he said, will you turn over for me? And I did a cartwheel. <laughs> Sounds good he, to me. he fell about and said, keep that in. <laughs> <laughs> you won't, probably won't remember, but in that cast was Arthur Mullard and Pat Hayes. Who oh, yes, of course yeah, I do. Yeah. Yes, they went on to great things, didn't they? Absolutely, yes. It is, it's so sad that so many of them are no longer around, isn't it, really? It is. Keeping on the same theme, in a way, sadly, Dick Emery you worked with, who... Uh, yes, oh, yes. No longer great, with us. Great oh. giggler, Dick. Was he? Yes, he liked to try to make people laugh and uh, <laughs> sometimes succeeded. We were usually a battling husband and wife. Were you? I, I remember one sketch where we were being frightfully nice to each other and actually trying to poison each other at the same time and <laughs> which was uh was fun and did... i wish they'd repeat all those dick Emery's. i thought they, he was such a funny man oh yes when he Why dressed as a, i don't know when he was dressed as a lady and used to you know oh push yes people yes <laughs> yes you are awful, but I like you. <laughs> Every time you see that on TV in clips, everyone yes. loves it, don't they, really? Yeah. And then, of course, Morgan Wise. I know you worked with, didn't you? I did uh, do one show uh, with them, yes, which, again, nearly made me fall about laughing because um, right at the last minute at the show, I hadn't seen them before, uh, Eric sat down in those dreadful shorts that were wired, you know, that when he sat down, the, 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 the knees sort of shot up. And that nearly finished me, I must admit. <laughs> How do you sort of keep serious when you've got so many of these sort of legendary comedians around you? It's not easy, is it? Well, really? somebody once said, you clench your bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very reasonable advice. <laughs> You're listening to John Hannah-Meets on Isle of Wight Radio on 107 and 102 FM. I'm delighted to be in the company of the lovely June Whitfield. So, Tony Hancock and the blood donor, which is another thing which has lived on forever, hasn't it, really? It certainly has, yes. Well, there's a great Tony Hancock fan club. I'm a, an honorary member and they, um, they have a sort of fan letter that they send out every month or something. What was it like working with him? Because, I mean, I was a great fan of his. I've read lots of books on him. Yes. And I saw him, luckily, twice live on the stage, which I still sort of cherish the memory of seeing two live yes. shows of his. But he, he really had a problem. He couldn't believe um, his stardom, really, could he? he, he 
I think he wasn't satisfied with it. He, I think he, I don't know whether he wanted to play King Lear or something, but he, he, I think he never thought he'd reached his potential. And uh, he probably thought what he did was a load of old rubbish, you know. He's probably quite right. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it, it um, was something that gained him a tremendous number of fans. And he was brilliant doing it. Take me back to The Blood Donor then, which has been uh, released on video and it's on record and, yeah. and there's some really funny extracts have been played. It's now on CD. So um, there were rumours that when he actually made that, he, he couldn't remember his lines too well and he had sort of... Was that a fact or was that just fiction, really, June? He'd had a car accident and... I don't know, he'd either gone through the windscreen or hit his head on the windscreen or something, and it did affect his memory a bit, and he he slightly lost his nerve. So we had auto-cue. Nowadays it's right on the camera, so you can look in the camera and you're still reading. But in those days it was at the side of the camera. <laughs> it was a very funny feeling... Um, talking to him when he was actually looking over my shoulder. <laughs> His eye line, um, and I daren't look at mine because I'm rather short-sighted anyway. Are you? And I had learnt it. And so I thought, if I look at that, I'm really going to throw myself. So um, I was looking at him, and he was actually looking just over my shoulder. I've watched the video so many times, but you, it doesn't notice, does it? I've, I've tried... No, I suppose it does if you know it's happening. It, you, can, you can just see that his eyeline isn't quite, isn't quite right. How did but you... it was such a funny show. It Telling me. It was, to think it was live, really, wasn't it? it mm. That was amazing. Was it live? Yes, I suppose. It was yeah. live. Yeah. yeah. It was black and white. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever watch it these days or not, really? I have seen it. I always say it's my daughter. It's not me. <laughs> what else did you do with him? You did a few things with Hancock, didn't oh, you? Oh, I did a very early series before he teamed up with Sid James for Jack Hilton. Did you? Yes. And that was just sketches and was in, in a club and we were all the people in it, you know. Was he sort of funny off stage when you were sort of uh, in the green room or wherever was he quite funny then or not really I, I would have said no i don't think tony was was funny not in the way that ted ray was funny and eric was funny you know um no i think tony was a well he was a depressive really mm. and uh, he, he obviously got rid of so many people that were in close association with him didn't he simpson and golden and 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 sid went in the end and that was and probably others. his greatest mistake mm. i would have said how did you feel that. when a few years later the sad news came through from australia how did you feel then oh it was extremely sad but of course i hadn't worked with him then no. for um, some years and uh i knew that he had this problem so i can't say i can't say it was all that much of a surprise, but it's still mm. devastating to think that that he destroyed himself to the stage where he really couldn't work properly. You did a 1967 series with him on ITV called Hancock's, which was like from yes. a nightclub, wasn't it? Yes, that that was 
more of a nightmare, I think. Oh, was it? <laughs> was it John Muir and Eric Green wrote that? So he got, got away from Simpson and Goulton by that stage. It certainly wasn't Simpson and Goulton. No, no. Bob Todd was in that, I think. Yes, a, I think he was. Yeah. I was a bunny girl for oh, some extraordinary reason, walking about with a tray of, um, uh, you know, chocolate cigarettes. Yes, it, it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't very good. I think he was in a pretty bad way then, really. June, at that sort of time, you, you sort of been in so many hit series. Were you sort of, in a way, ambitious to become a star name yourself? Or were you very happy being the one that sort of set it up for everyone? No, I, I've never really been that sort of ambitious. I'm, I'm quite happy to be, um, you know, the line before the funny line. <laughs> Beggar My Neighbour, that was uh, um, with Peter Jones. He was in that, wasn't he? And Reg Varney. Reg Varney and Pat Coombs, mm. yes, yes. We you were did. the Garveys in that, weren't you? The Garveys, was we it? We were the Garveys, yes. Yeah. How clever of you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, Peter was a sort of manager, you know, with a hat stand in the, in the office. And Reg was some sort of mechanic on the floor. And, of course... Reg and Pat had far more money than we had. They had the car and we had the bicycles, you know. <laughs> that was the sort of premise of it. It's amazing how they team these sort of groups of people up and they all sort of went on. All of you have gone on to great things, really. It's uncanny in a way, isn't it, well, sometimes? Well, touch wood, yeah. So it was good casting, really, wasn't it? That's right. Well, Reg, of course, uh, probably Reg had done more than any of us hmm. because uh, did you know Benny Hill was his feed? One time. No, I didn't, June. Yeah. Was he? Benny Hill, when Reg was on the on the halls, Benny Hill was his feed. God. Amazing, isn't it? Amazing. Mm. Millie Goswick, she was a singer, wasn't she? <laughs> now, <laughs> you've like... now you've got me. Now you've got me. Good, I've caught you. <laughs> Who is that? You did a series called Fawcett Saga. Oh, that's right, with Jimmy. You were, you were a musical singer in that, weren't you? Right, <laughs> right, yes. With a, a feather, funny, funny hat on and... Fishnet tights, that's right, I remember now. <laughs> <laughs> you must have done so many series, it's hard just to remember back, isn't it? It is very hard to remember back. I'm supposed to be writing an autobiography at the moment and um, I do find it quite um, quite tricky to remember things. But you've reminded me of a few. <laughs> <laughs> Can you ever remember parts of scripts from, from years no. ago? But some no. have this uncanny knack of, of being able to do it. I but... know. I, I, I have a, a friend who will quote the blood donor to me, you know, Hancock's lines, yes. expecting me to answer. And I have the faintest idea <laughs> what comes next. <laughs> it always amazes me when people sometimes come on, this is your life, and, and the person whose life it is, someone comes on and they sort of recreate a scene from something about... I know, I know. Oh, well, a great friend of mine, um, Moggy, Margaret Billum, uh, came on my life and uh, we were at sort of dancing school together and she said, do you remember this number? And she sort of started singing it and I couldn't remember it for the life of me, which was awful. Mind you, I was about sort of 12 probably at the time, but I thought, no, I don't, don't remember that at all. OK, let's meet the families. Oh, sorry, wrong show. I'm Les Dennis, but you're listening to John Hannah Meets on Isle of Wight Radio, in-person interviews. June, was it about 1969 when you first met Terry Scott? I believe it was even 60, 
eight. I was always it? thought it was sixty nine. Scott on, I think, but wasn't it? It was it was Scott on, which was show of the week. And Terry did a different subject, you know, mm-hmm. like Scott on marriage, Scott on girls, <laughs> Scott on any anything he could think of. And, uh, yes, that was when we got together. But that number, you know, my brother, yeah. was written by Terry and Maggie, his wife. Was it? He, yes, he always said. They just sort of sat down and wrote it one day. It's one of those comedy records that sort of lived on and it's still I very know. topical, isn't and it? And then it went, out of, uh, it went out of print or whatever happens to records. And... I think they did bring it back. I think they did um, reissue it mm. because it is, it's very funny. Very. Peter Butterworth was in that sort of series. Yes, Peter was in a lot of them, yes, absolutely. And Frank Thornton. Mm. And we always did a musical parody at the end, um, which was usually written by Dave Freeman. He did a lot of the writing of it. Terrific. 1974, Happy Ever After. That, that sort of came from a, a comedy playhouse, I think, didn't it? Well, it might have started as a comedy yeah. playhouse, but the idea came because in the Scott Oms, we very often did a little domestic sketch. Mm. And it was originally directed by Ken Carter, and then Peter Whitmore took over. And Peter thought that the little domestic sketch could uh, turn into a series, and that really was the, um, uh, the beginning of it. And then Terry had the idea of... Um, you know, the grown-up children leaving and then the parents facing each other for the first time in 20 years with nothing to occupy their minds but each other. <laughs> That's, that was the premise of it. So Terry... Of course, the critics hated it. I, I mean, they, they all said it bland rubbish. <laughs> I mean, Victor <laughs> Lewis-Smith had a go at it the other day and said it was so desperately inoffensive and uh, that he wanted people to sort of rush off and strip on the tube or something. <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of that about. <laughs> and... There are people, these people never seem to realise, who actually quite enjoy a little sort of quiet humour. Exactly. <laughs> Terry and June Fletcher, wasn't it? Uh, yes, I think we were Fletchers and Medfords. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you must have hit it off straight away, you two, because you were such a, a good combination on screen. Well, I, I don't really know why. I mean, uh, I first met Terry. Ken Carter invited us to, to meet each other, you know. And uh, he was he was very pleasant, and I I I was nervous of meeting him, and he said afterwards, you know, that he was nervous of meeting me, but apparently he said to Ken after I'd gone, yeah, she'll do. <laughs> that that was for the Scott Arms, <laughs> was it? Yeah, I think Terry and June was something like seventy nine to eighty seven, so it was a long run. Yeah, the last one was eighty eight. Yeah. Mm. Terrific. And and uh, Happy Ever After started in 74. Mm. So mm. overall, it was 20 years that I worked with Terry on and off. Were you surprised by the success of it, really? Because it, it sort of became um, well, a classic series. I don't one's ever surprised by anything. <laughs> <laughs> I think that we were lucky that the BBC um, kept it on, you know, for several episodes... Because I have a theory that if you keep something on long enough, it's, it's likely to take off, yeah. yeah. But nowadays, of course, uh, things come and go very quickly. And the viewers haven't had a chance to settle in with it. Do bring you... people into their homes, you exactly. know what I mean? What did that do for your career? Because you'd obviously been established with the blood donor, the glums and everything, but it, it must have lifted your career on a yes, higher plane. Yes, it did. But I, I think I've been very lucky that having done it for so long, I did then do other things. And, of course, 
um, I mean, the biggest step up was absolutely fabulous. Mm. Because, and working with Julian Clary and things like that, you see. What was he like to work with? Oh, lovely. <laughs> he's absolutely delightful and gorgeous. I mean, <laughs> he is delightful. But I said doing his um, series, All Rise for Julian, uh, Judge Julian, I said, I've got to be your auntie so that when you say things, you know, that I'm not too sure about. I cannot <laughs> understand them. <laughs> <laughs> is it all a big act with him? Is he quite away from sort of uh, creating the image? Is he very different, June? If you, if you saw Julian in a pub, you would just think, that's a jolly good-looking young chap, you know. Yes, he's quiet. He's not at all outrageous, off. <laughs> Going back to Terry and June, a fellow called Sir Dennis Hodge has oh. sent his best wishes to you. Oh, dear Reg. <laughs> if you're listening, Reg... He will be. <laughs> well, love to you and Rosemary. Because he was in quite a few of those, wasn't he? Oh, rather. He was, he was a mainstay. He certainly was, yeah. Absolutely. Was he Hodge? He was, I think, was wasn't he? it? I think so, wasn't it? I know. I it, suppose I we might... called him Sir Dennis so often. I think, I... I'm sure it was Sir Dennis Hodge. I think Hodge. you're probably right. You're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> you assume yeah. let me know if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he was brilliant, Reg. Very, very good. Such can, a good actor. I can always remember going right back w with Terry Scott when he used to do with Bill Maynard in the early days. They had this television series, didn't oh, they? Oh, that's right. I, I never saw that. And, and then on the Isle of Wight, he came with Hugh Lloyd and they used to do yes. a, a double act together, yes. like two yes. vicars sometimes. Yes. That was tremendously funny. Great talent, really, Terry Scott, didn't he? Oh, great, yes. Uh, he, was a, he was a very good actor. He was um, a comic actor. Because I, I always think Tony was really... A comic actor, hmm. not so much a stand-up, you know. We talk about Adina's mother then in Absolutely Fabulous, yeah. which, with your career, you've been lucky because you seem to be able to bridge age gaps too, don't you, really? Well, very lucky. I, people say, you know, with all this uh, alternative comedy and everything, and, um, you know, you've, you've changed. I mean, you've adapted. I said, I, I haven't changed at all. It's what's around me that's changed. I'm still doing the same thing. <laughs> So what are your thoughts on that, that series from, gosh, it was the early 90s, wasn't it? it? Time flies, isn't it? Yes, I think it was 91 yeah. when we started it. Yeah, I think so. Well, I know uh, when I read the, um, the pilot that, um, I mean, Mother was about sort of 30 or 40 seconds in a flashback. But I thought the script was so funny. And Jennifer had said, if it goes to a series, Mother will be in. So I thought, what the hell? Because I, I thought it was a very funny script. She's such a clever girl. <laughs> You've been able to sort of keep up date with humour, really, because sometimes I find people that began in the 50s and 60s, sometimes today's humour leaves them sort of, um, I don't know, they don't enjoy it. But, but, well, but you've I, sort of come right up with it, haven't you, in a way? Yes, I have with some. It doesn't create hysterical laughter in me uh, to listen to sort of bodily function jokes. <laughs> I don't really find those no, terribly funny, but they do seem to feature rather a lot. Do you miss the sort of Steptoes and the Hancocks and, and the Likely Lads and all, you know, some mothers? Well, they, they bring them back quite a lot, don't they, really? I mean, some mothers is so funny. That, that's on again, isn't it, at the moment? Because <laughs> that was written by another guy from the Isle of Wight, of course, Raymond Allen. Ah. <laughs> well, yeah, there that... you are. You see, they're all there. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of stands up, doesn't it, in mm, a way? Mm. 
very yes well of course i do know um uh, the isle of wight a bit because we have been for holidays at sea view have you oh yes great friends of ours richard stone well no? richard stone i know yes mm. and uh, the wilkinsons they always used to go there and uh, we've been there with uh, with them and who else somebody flashed through my mind then It'll come back. Have you ever worked theatres on the island or not really? No. No. No, I haven't done that. Oh, of course, uh, Tim's stepbrother lived there for um, many years at Wellow. Mm, lovely. On the Isle of Wight, yeah. Because Tony Hancock did two appearances there, um, round about 52, I think, just yes. before he'd made the big time. But that was in sort of Sunday night concerts, really. News headlines. You've been in that a long time, haven't you? Yes, I've, I've done... Uh, I joined that in 84. So what's that? That's gosh, fifteen, sixteen years. Sixteen years. That's right. And there will be another one. Um, you know, another series next next year. And they, of course, Roy and uh, Roy Hard and Chris Emmett have been doing it for twenty five years. Know. Amazing, isn't it? When I came up last year to see it, it's fantastic because you all sort of came straight in and there were your scripts and you just went straight through it like that. Well, it's it is. It is odd, but it's it's something I enjoy doing very much. I mean, we don't get the script until uh, 10 o'clock on the morning really? that we do it. And sometimes in that time there are songs to learn um, because if it's a tune you know, you know, somebody will say, um, oh, do you know Memory from Cats? Oh, yes, yes. No. Well, it's like that, but it's upside down, <laughs> which of course is harder than the original tune. So we end up talking quite a lot of it. Yourself in, in your life, are you really up to date with the news or when you go to do the news headlines, are you taken I sometimes, by surprise or not? Well, I sometimes, uh, you know, when you're looking at the paper, you think, I wonder if they'll do that on Thursday. I wonder if they'll have a go at that. But sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Hi, Jill Blanche. It's Nick Frisbee here saying John Hannum is a puppet. My guest is June Whitfield. Uh, we're in Wimbledon. Very long hill from the station here, June, too, isn't it? I'm afraid so. Did you walk up it? With no, no, I didn't. Oh, I'm very glad to hear it. <laughs> so we talked about the news headlines going on and on, and uh, they've recently released um, a new sort of compilation yes. tape, haven't they? And it's such fun to do. I mean, I, uh, I think Roy Hard is one of the most talented men I know. He is fantastic. Well, I interviewed him when I came up to see him. He did a thing called Lipstick on Your Collar, in which he played a, a really right. dirty old organist. He's a brilliant Super, actor. Wasn't he? he is brilliant, Roy. In common as muck, he was just terrific. Yes, he was. I Do think you... people are just beginning to realise. I think you're right. Yeah. You made a few movies. You've been in two or three carry-ons, haven't you? Yes. Um, four altogether. The first one was Carry On Nurse. And about ten years later, I was asked to do uh, Carry On Abroad then Carry On Girls, and the last one was Carry On Columbus. Good fun, I bet. Oh, yes, they're all good fun, but, I mean, they're very quick, you know, they're very eyes down and get on with it, <laughs> and you're, you're there for a couple of days or however long it takes to do your particular role. The Spy with the Cold Nose, Not Now Comrade, you've done Bless This House, you've done a few movies altogether. A few of those sort of movies, yes. Did you enjoy that, didn't you? Uh, yes, I think so. <laughs> Miss Marple you've played a few times too, haven't you? I've done about nine for yeah. Radio 4, yes, and I, I believe there might be another one next year. You've, you've done a bit of TV presenting too. You did a series called It Doesn't Have to Hurt. Do you remember that one? Oh, yes, that was really about... Um, 
you don't have to kill yourself to exercise or to have enough exercise. And I said, I'm quite happy to do it as long as I say, this is what they say we should do, not this is what I do. <laughs> <laughs> you like cooking too, don't you? Yes, I do when I get the chance. Mm. I actually ran up some cranberry sauce before Christmas myself. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tasted all right. <laughs> You've got no plans to retire, June, have you really? You want to keep working as long as you can, really, don't you? Well, I always think every job I do is the last. But, do you? Um, then, you know, something may come up. You never know. Does it take you long to learn a script? Are you a quick learner in a way? It depends. I do like to know something pretty well. And uh, I certainly do quite a bit of homework, yeah. Going back to the news headlines, I, I admired you all, really, because you, you all seemed to come in with the script and you were, it was all so easy in a way. Well, I think, I think that is something you're born with, you know. As I say, at school, I was, I was good at reading aloud. It's probably the only thing I was ever any good at. <laughs> but I think it is something that you either can do or you can't. I mean, there are a lot of brilliant actors who were quite hopeless at the read-through. And my read-through is sadly about the same as my performance. <laughs> <laughs> You've had a remarkable career, fantastic, because oh, yeah. admired by so many people, so many age groups, it must be a nice feeling for you, really. Well, I suppose you, you, you grow up with people on television, don't you? And, uh, and then you've got the parents who used to watch Terry and June, and the children who watch Ab Fab when they're <laughs> supposed to be in bed. <laughs> and so, you know, you, you have, yes, got a couple of generations at least. Got one dream left for your career or something you'd like to do? No, or, no, 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 no. No, just wait and see what happens. <laughs> Whether you say yes or no, you've now become a star. Do you like sort of being more well-known in a way? Do you like that? And you've always been there, but I think in the last 10 or 15 years... Yeah. ...you've become a star name, June. I think I'm lucky in the way that, having been mostly associated with comedy, that when you do meet people, they're usually smiling, you know? <laughs> um, it must be if you're in some dreadful sort of permanently a bad character in something, I, I think people do take it seriously sometimes. Well, like with Terry, you know, when a lot of people thought we were married. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> June, thank you so much for entertaining me. I've loved coming to your house in Wimbledon and uh, we've had some fun today, haven't we? <laughs> Absolutely, John. And very nice of you to come all this way. Thank you and good luck to you in the future. Thanks. Today we've celebrated the life of the late June Whitfield. A marvellous lady and a truly brilliant performer. She'll be sadly missed. That interview you've heard today was recorded in Wimbledon in the year 2000. You've been listening to John Hannah Meeks, courtesy of Isle of Wight Radio. Don't forget to look at my website, johnhannam.com, for news of more interviews and how you might purchase my books. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye for now.